At just about 8.46, we can get up close on the falling fertility rate in this country with Professor Zhang Huang of Hanguk University of Foreign Studies Law School. Good morning. Morning, Alex. Thank you for joining us. So, um, I mean, th- this has been something we've talked about for years and years. We've mm-hmm. seen it coming, but the, the alarm bells seem to be ringing louder. Exactly. Yep. I mean, the latest government statistic shows that the second quarter of this year, the total fertility rate was 1.04. That is lowest ever. Uh, the t- total number of babies born in June 2017 this year was 28,900, which is the lowest number ever since 1970. So, you know, the government has thought that, you know, the total fertility rate might be, might become stable at 1.12. And mind you, the latest number is 1.04. If, the rate is maintained at 1.12, the Korean population will be halved by 2085, which is 70 years from now. You know, we are looking at halving of South Korean total population in 70 years. I mean, that's a big demographic change that we are, we're seeing. I mean, just to jump ahead, I, I know that you don't see a, a smaller population as being in itself such a bad thing, but more the upheaval in the interim. Let's just say we got through that uh, upheaval, which we can touch on in a moment. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it profoundly affect the country's GDP and an ability to to be a major player in the world with a halved population? Sure, if you're talking about like total GDP and so forth, you know, you, you know Korea might not be as powerful or influential around the world. I mean, you know, the China is a very influential pr- player in the world, not because per capita GDP is still fairly low, but you know, they've got 1.5 billion people, and that means a lot of economic resources. If you're thinking in those terms, yes, Korea might have less influence than it might otherwise have with 50 million population is still 25. But I guess, you know, what I'm more concerned about is per capita GDP, per capita living standards. And, you know, we're talking about climate change and, you know, resources and a lot of, you know, nature being degraded. You know, having a smaller population for Earth overall is not such a bad thing, I don't think. Well, putting that debate to one side, what about the question of why this is happening at all? Um, Because I mentioned earlier in the show that the, the people I talk to tell me the reason they're not having children, a, a very common answer is they're worried about being able to afford the education costs. Yep. That, that, some of them are not feeling able to get married in the first place because exactly. of the costs associated with that. I think you're nailing it. I mean, basically, there are two hurdles. I mean, one is the people are getting married people are getting married later and later. These days, the average age where the Korean male gets married is about 32. Korean female gets married around 30. I mean, if you, you know, went back in time about 20 years ago, if you t- talked about those ages as being average, people will be aghast and why, why are people getting married so late and I I think the economic reason that you mentioned is profoundly affecting marriage decisions and even after you get married married, you know the same economic reasons affect people's decisions to have babies so yeah we're talking about double hurdles interestingly though we are seeing across the developed world that age getting later and later but what we don't find nearly as much of in Korea is babies born out of wedlock exactly still quite a conservative society in that respect Yep. I um, mean, you know, for example, in France, where the f- total fertility rate is now above two, and uh, one of the reasons is that, you know, they have uh, the regular marriage, and they have this, you know, institution called cohabitation in France, you know, so about half the births in uh, France is actually out of wedlock. I mean, to see that that become acceptable in Korea to the s- same extent, I mean, I think we'll have to see a whole different kind of social engineering take place, so I don't see that happening anytime really soon in Korea. Um, a further point, which we might touch on a little bit more uh, would be our, our lack of 
multicultural society at this point when you have a, a fairly homogeneous society and everybody's doing the same thing yeah and I that's going to cause a problem in that sense Japan and Korea are having exact same problems with the exact same policy a, uh, pronouncements with and the, the government is basically ignoring that is immigration policy you know pe- people looking at Japan you know with this demographic problem happening a lot earlier than Korea people t- told Japan that hey you know maybe Japan should have opened its immigration doors and Japan, Japan never did. In Korea, you know, we have bits and pieces, pockets of, you know, multicultural society. But in general, immigration policy is still fairly restricted in Korea. And, you know, with North Korea, with the militarized zone, South Korea is a de facto island, right? So it's very hard to get to South Korea unless government actually loosens up its immigration policy. So, I mean, that is something that South Korea could consider doing different from Japan. Well, if... uh unification were to happen with North Korea at some point over the next few decades, that would completely transform these demographics, just speaking of that divide. Sure, I mean, some some commentators have pointed out that North Korea is much younger population, so perhaps reunification might actually solve this demographic problem, but at the same time, you know, it's estimated about 10 million of North, North Koreans are malnourished, especially people, uh, you know, below age of five, you know, unless you're, you know, that high class of communist yeah. party members, you know, a lot of Babies are just, just are not getting properly nourished. So I think we'll be actually seeing a whole different set of social problems if the new reunification takes place. Absolutely right. Exactly. You're kind of swapping one demographic problem for another. Exactly, yes. I mean, I don't think at that point we'll be worrying about aging population. Rather, we'll be ta- talking about integration and how do we deal with this massive population who's been cut off from the world and the millions of people who've been malnourished for a number of years. I mean, yeah, once you get into that problem, I mean, yeah, it's, the problems will be endless. I mean, the government's been talking about this and potential solutions from one administration to the next. I, I mean, intuitively, I, I, I sense that it's not enough to have a government minister talk uh, and certainly younger people are not going to pay attention. They're not going to have a baby just because they're told they should. W- what's the problem with the measures they're trying to introduce to encourage a birth rate? I mean, on one hand, uh, the Korean government has spent a lot of money dealing, trying to address this issue for past 12 years. About 124 trillion won has been spent on, on encouraging people to have babies. But if you look at the budget, I mean, there are a lot of problems with the budget, but the single biggest problem is the fact that the largest bulk of the 124 trillion uh, won having been spent is on baby care, the child care, basically. You know, a lot of, you know, those boyu ones, you know, the, 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 the child caring facilities, that a lot of them actually get government funding mm. and so forth. That's actually most of the funding is actually going to. Yeah, so, so child care situation has improved, but as you mentioned, you know, people are talking about housing costs, education costs, and so forth. It really doesn't really address the economic uncertainties that people face. So it basically comes down to can we change the economic that a lot of young people face these days and that means you know just really revitalizing economy and that really hasn't happened for past 10 years it seems to me that so much so many different issues would be solved if we diversified education and also the the way in which people enter college here that that, that singular focus on sunung uh, the homogeneous approach to education when when you've got that and everybody thinking the same way about how to pay for it, it, it well that's why everyone has the same answer 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose the sooning is definitely part of the equation, but I fear that you know, with some sort of half, uh, you know, half-hearted measures like you know, saying that you know, just yeah, a couple of days ago, a group of teachers had come out and said, let's make sooning, you know, sort of sort of absolute score-wise, let's not have this relative ranking, you know, grading everybody mm-hmm. on a curve that is really you know driving this red race, which is you know, driving up the education cost. I'm afraid that you know, if you get rid of that, you know, the people will find some other red race in, in order to you know, you know signal that you know my children are smarter than other children somehow you know really comprehensive solution will have to come along but as you said sunan will definitely be part of the equation i mean i personally would do something completely radical and uh, and do away with that kind of testing altogether because I, I don't think it reflects the real world in any shape or form and just because we've been doing it for decades sitting down for a day doing a load of tests is is a measure of ability but not the ability to thrive in the real world i agree with you but we'll probably have to fire about two-thirds of the education ministry so i'm not really sure realistically <laughs> even that's going to be on the table under the moon and the I, I i i suspect you're right but i still think we've got to get these voices out there to encourage some sort of change beyond as you said just the way we score it because if you change that you change the way people pay for it and suddenly people think well you know there are more vocational options there are more alternatives that don't require spending uh, silly amounts of money to have a family but um let's talk a bit more about other solutions um the welfare state for example Yeah, I mean the education is definitely part of it because you know education system in Korea actually encourages this competitive spending, which is driving up the cost. But at the same time, the reason that people are sort of pushing so much resources into education is the fact that you know people feel economic uncertainty. You know, people get fired in their forties and fifties. People feel people feel like you know there's no you know the lifelong career out there anymore. It's really hard to get you know good jobs if you're out of college. How do you actually you know give economic certainty to young people so that they get married and they have children you know without that you know it's a pavilion of economic security nobody's going to get married and have children you know to start a family and at some, at some point if you look at the korean economy overall korean economy overall hasn't been shrinking and you know, it's slowly growing it's not growing as fast so how do we share this overall stability to everyone i think that is the big question for the government and i think part of the answer is to increase welfare state thank you so much for helping us get up close today on an endlessly interesting subject, but endlessly problematic one as well. Professor Jung Hwang of Hanguk University of Foreign Studies Law School. And that's our show for today. Um, our producer today, Park Unhee, thank you very much also to our writing team. I've been Alex Jensen. We'll be back on Monday at 7.05. And stay with us because next up we've got our latest news headlines and then Careerscape with Kardashian.